Welcome in, everyone, to this episode of the Help of Sports Magic Podcast. I'm Taylor, as always, with my co-host Chase. And today we're going to give you our thoughts on the new uniforms released by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons this week. And also we're going to give you our opinion on the new proposal made for Major League Baseball as it might be returning in mid-May. We don't know if that's for sure yet. There's no guarantees, but it's a possibility. And as always, we're going to keep our hopes up as we always do. Start us off, Chase. What are your thoughts as a Tampa fan on the new uniforms released earlier this week? Yeah, I thought that they were. Um, I thought that they were really nice. Um, very similar to the um, the new uniforms in 1997. Um, but of course, they they changed them in 2014, prior to the 2014 season. But really like. The just going back to basically, you know what what it was originally. I like the I like the new uniform. I, I have been pushing for a pewter for a pewter color rush since the color rush jerseys came out, and I think that you know they they look really nice, and you know it definitely a, a nice change and something different. Yeah. Um... Taking a look at these, I am a fan of the all-white jerseys just because it's hard to make all-white look bad, in my opinion, regardless of what the other color is to go along with it. Uh, for these, the all-whites for the Buccaneers have the red numbers, so that kind of works really well. And then, like you said, they went back to a lot of the 90, 1997 look with the uh, classic look of the brown pants and the uh, red jerseys with the Pewter. Still, still keeping this. I'm not calling them pewter chase. I told you that. Um, and they uh, still have pretty much the same helmets aside from, I guess, the, the face mask isn't chrome anymore. So they kind of keep have kept that same for the last uh, 20 years or so. And uh, I'm not a fan of the brown jerseys at all. I don't like pants being the same color as the jerseys except when it's white that's the only time i really like that and this is a stupid color to go along with that especially with um the uh the red there's just not enough red accents to kind of balance out how much just brown there is in this whole jersey with the helmets and the jerseys and the pants and the socks all be in the same color it just it just looks like a giant turd Honestly, when I look at those <laughs> brown uniforms, it it's I don't know. It's pewter first of all, and whether you want to call on that or not, that's what it is. I, I like that. One thing that I would try to I would like to see is for the whites, you know, around the collarbone area, maybe go with like the red accent, and then for the red jerseys. I don't know. It's just it's just like a little boring in that sense, and I would like a little bit more um, color to complement it. And then even for the pewter jerseys, go with the go with the red around like the collarbone neck area. That's that to me would make them a little bit better. I I think that they're you know they're not bland. They are really nice to me. Um, I like how they went back because I always thought that the Bucks had really nice uniforms prior to the uniform change. And 
you know, I, I think, I think, you know, we talked about it a little bit. The Jags and the Bucks both went with, tried to go with a little different design around the same time. You know, the Jags had the helmets that like started black and then went lighter towards the back. And they did that was, I don't know, like Jaguar coming out of its, of, I guess it's, its habitat or whatever. I don't know what it was supposed to represent. Some but, silly excuse to make them look like Pop Warner uniforms. <laughs> yeah, and it was around the time that we'll get to this when we talk about the Falcons uniform, but like the time of the like Nike Pro Combat uniforms that the college teams used to wear. And I think once teams I think they start, thought they would start a trend and once they realized they weren't starting a trend, this last those uniforms lasted about five years and both teams basically went back to what they had with to begin to begin with, and um, you know just a few changes here and there. Obviously, the Bucks adding adding the pewter and all pewter jerseys, and you know I again I I like that they went back to it. The biggest, um, not, I won't say the biggest, a uh, thing I think could have made pretty much all of them look better is they all have a stripe of a contrasting color of like the pants being like there's a stripe down the side, but the stripe doesn't continue like up through the jersey. And I think that, like you said, they are a bit boring. And I think maybe having the stripe continue up through the uh, through the rib cage a little bit would kind of add something extra and maybe even carry it through around like the collarbone area, come up with some element kind of like the, like the Jags before they went back to, before they went to like the gold and black helmet, like Maurice Jones drew era with that kind of stripe going through, I think would have made it look a little nicer. Um, I I think there's, I think there's honestly a bit of like a psychological element of like, like these, the red jerseys, you could, it's, you take away the Reebok and the Nike logos to me, and they look pretty much the same as like the early 2000s, like Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks era jerseys. And I think they did that on purpose because they kind of, with this signing of Tom Brady and this young core on defense coming around, I think it's kind of like this franchise wants to put that put the Jameis Winston era behind them and kind of return to the glory days of when this team got their Super Bowl win, and I think that's just – it's like, okay, we've had enough of this, like, crazy – of this unnecessary flashiness, and we're just going to go back to Tampa Bay Buccaneers football. And I think these uniforms are kind of part of that shift in culture going on for this team. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that that's, that's a good point. Um, you know, thinking about when they got the new uniforms and – prior to the 2014 season that that was supposed to represent this is a new era of Buccaneers football we're done with the Shiano years and you know Lovey Smith is going to take us and to this great place and Jameis Winston um, just drafted you know they're gonna this is like a new brand this is like a new era of Buccaneers football once that didn't work out you know like you said they're going back to trying to go back to this time of you know, Tom Brady's just got signed and, you know, things are things are looking up now for the Bucks more than they really have since I've been a fan. And 
you know, there have been years where there's been excitement around them, specifically 2017, I guess 2016 was the year they went nine and seven and just barely missed the playoffs. And 2017 was supposed to be the year, you know, year three with Jameis and, you know, Dirk Cutter's already got a year of a head coach under his belt. And, you know, that was supposed to be the year. But this year, obviously, when you sign a six-time Super Bowl champion as your quarterback and you have the receivers and the, the Bucks have with Godwin and Evans and, you know, re-signing that front seven that was number one in rush defense, you know, a young secondary that really came along towards the end of the year. So a lot looking up and it's just really, it was just time for, like you said, to things are looking up, go back to a time for the Bucks fans, you know, that little five-year stretch that, that we have where the Sap and the Brooks and the Rondé Barber era with the Tampa two defense, go back to a time like that. These, these jerseys aren't, but like even you know, though it's, it's 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 something it's something to you know even like giving the, fans more excitement yeah even like the um the players that they used for the uh, reveal that on social media were Levante David who's on from an I don't Chase you can correct me on this but his game seems very similar to that of Derek Brooks and then even if you want to say he isn't, they even had um, Devin White also was one of the other players. And then Chris Godwin, who's one of the other, just it's all the, all the young core, all three of those guys are part of this bright young core. That's going to be on a part of the Tampa Bay franchise for a long period of time. So it's, yeah, it's like, a Levante, it's like, David. it's like a looking, it's looking back at history, but being excited for, the future at the same time and Levante David's been with the team like I want to say about eight years has you know be even playing a playoff game and you know Devin White just finished his rookie season Chris Godwin's in his fourth year but you know really took a huge step last year and um you know becoming you know one of the top receivers you know I don't want to say one of the top receivers in the NFL Fantasy wise, he was, but so was Mike Evans. But Mike Evans is not part of that. But well, that's beside the point. I mean, um, he's. But you know what I mean. You're you're seeing my point though. Just a young, um, bright spot who looking to take another step forward, and then Devin White finishing his rookie year, becoming a, you know, going into his second year. So another guy that's looking to take that step and another guy who's a part of this like you said young future young um nucleus that is combining with levante david who's an eight-year guy who if he played for any contender would be looked at as one of the top linebackers in the nfl but you know hasn't hasn't had really a light shed on him because of you know, Tampa's never been in the playoffs while he's been there. So, you know, just a perfect combination of young with a veteran mix. And that's what that's what um, the team has done. 
And I want to say one more thing about the stripe before we move on. You know, I, I agreed with that. Like, I don't know. I think if you're gonna if you're gonna do a if you're gonna do a jersey with the same exact color, like the pewter on pewter and the white on white, then you got to do either solid white pants or have a stripe over the shoulder. Yeah, the only or like down the down the uh, down the like sides. I mean, not on the shoulder pads. The only the only teams I think that can get away with that are the teams that are like the uh, I don't I guess like the the classic franchises like the Packers and the Cowboys and maybe even the Vikings in that sense of like there's the nostalgia behind it. But I just granted. Buccaneers have been around for a decent amount of time at this point, but I just think it with them coming in as an expansion team, I just think that that's you you still need that slight little shift to kind of add something else because there's not really as much nostalgia there as there is with like the green and yellow of the Packers or the purple of the Vikings. Anything else you want to say on the Buccaneers unis, Chase? I think I got it. You got it? All right. So uh, to switch over to uh, the 404, what we're going to talk about next, the Atlanta Falcons, New Jersey's. And uh, some of us did find out about them a little bit earlier than others. I actually made a personal effort to not look at the leaks that got to Twitter the day before the official release. Um, so I... Kind of woke up. I woke up this morning to actually seeing the New Jerseys, and um, there's. I got mixed feelings about it. Um, I said before I like all white, so of course the uh, all white road unis I really like. I actually like the new font um, that they did when you, especially when you do the black numbers with it, and um, I do like the. Um, of course I'm gonna like the throwbacks and that's always gonna be an element of it um some people wanted them to basically do kind of what tampa did with go back to basically having the old throwbacks from the 90s as the main uniforms but i think that kind of would undervalue the nostalgia of it um i like how they have a home game where they wear those and then they change the turf and mercedes-benz to look like the old astroturf from the georgia dome and uh kind of make a special occasion out of it i really like that they do that as a bit of a marketing campaign um i some i'm somewhat okay with the uh other ones where it's they kind of fade from the black to the red up to the shoulders but i'm not a huge fan of those and then i don't like the straight black because similar thing as the uh turd brown for the buccaneers it just looks off when it's the same color through the whole jersey i wish they would have changed um the helmets a little more they did change the face mask so it's there's i guess silver or chrome instead of black but besides that the helmets look exactly the same maybe would have done um i wish the the biggest thing that i kind of don't like is there's not really any kind of nod to the steve bartowski tommy nobis era with there's no red helmets there's no just straight uh 
red jerseys with more of the classic font like the 90s throwbacks. It's just, it's like they're kind of ignoring that part of the team's history when that's kind of where the rivalry with New Orleans really started and is what it's now grown into. But at least they did the red cleats along with the faded um, black and red jerseys. But obviously, like I said, my favorites are definitely the all-white and the uh, throwback unis for sure. Okay. Um, I don't I don't see any part of history when I look at these Falcons uniforms, honestly. I, I see... I see almost like a new era because with the ATL, that is, that's sort of been a recent thing. Um, ATL written across the chest. I think that, yeah, that's sort of a recent thing. I think that represents more of a, um, a new era, a new sort of excitement for Atlanta Falcons football. And I think obviously you can't go wrong with, with the throwbacks, but, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't like the numbers, to be honest with you. I don't like the how it's it's too big, and it almost looks to me like one of those T-shirt jerseys that you would find at Walmart or Target or something like that. And I, I don't. I want to see another. I want to see a red jersey. You know, I want to see almost like a red, but like. In place of all like the all black, maybe like the all red. I don't have a problem with the all black like you do. I don't think the all black is tacky like you do. I think that you know, all black and all white are like the only two colors where it's it's not like overpowering to have like one color for the entire jersey. Yeah. You mentioned the ATL part. I'm not a fan of it just saying ATL. I would have liked it to say Falcons or Atlanta. I think that being just ATL makes it look a bit like a, I don't know, like a generic football team jersey like you'd see in like Backbreaker or like an arcade game or something. And um, I mean, the font, I, I see what they did with the font with how it looks kind of like a bird because, I mean, it's the Falcons. You want it to have a bit of that element to it. And then they did, like what we mentioned, kind of as an issue with the Buccaneers, they kept the stripe going through up through the whole jersey. So that does look a little bit, looks kind of nice. Um, but with the All Blacks, I'm just saying, like, they're lucky that they play in a dome, because if they were playing in outdoors in Georgia and an all-black jersey, then I think the amount of heat stroke issues that you would have with the players well, you would wear them sky at night. high. You would wear them at night. But, yeah, I see your point. You know, I want to see a red jersey, though. Like I, The one red jersey is like the gradient. Is that what you call it? Where it fades into the black. And I don't know. I'm not a fan of that. It's like I don't – I've been trying to figure out what to I think, think they of it as. It's had, like – these they jerseys are had, like either let me hang on. It's like it's like they're either a mixture of it's like they're high school jerseys or are they XFL jerseys or I keep I keep 
think then I just thought about the the pro combat that the teams used to wear in like the 2010s, like the early 2010s. Coming out for for all the college teams, and so I'm like, you know, is Atlanta trying to start a new trend here with their jerseys? My favorite, I don't know, I like. I don't know if you like this one or not. It's the white one mixed with the black pants. I think that that's really cool. I don't like the white with the red pants because I think if you're going to have red pants, then the number needs to match with it. I don't like how it's a black number with a black helmet with the red pants. You know, I wish they would have done. Um, I like with with the black helmet and the white jersey. I like, like you said, I like the the black pants. When they do the all white. I would have liked maybe they do I'll even take red helmets, but I'd like white helmets. But according to my my comment on the idea of white helmets, a lot of the fan base would not be a fan of white helmets. But um, kind of like we went into a bit of, I guess, the psychology of the change with the Buccaneers. I'll go into that here with the Falcons. It's like the complete opposite to me instead of trying to kind of return to the glory days, it's this to me, it's like, they're trying to say, okay, 28 to three is behind us. We're, we're not, we're past, we're past that point. That doesn't bother us anymore. We're going to focus on the young guy, same kind of, we're going to focus on the young guys and abandon that uh, kind just that whole I guess blunder that the whole city of Atlanta went through and we're going to embrace a new, and it's like embracing a new age of Falcons football. And we're just going to move on past that part of that. I get is they're trying to create some hype for a team that's been sort of middle of the road for the last three years and hasn't really had that much going on since the Super Bowl loss outside of, I guess, the one uh, playoff year where they gave the future champs the Eagles a run for their money. But it's really, uh, there's they've done some pretty good marketing on this. It's got, I mean, I'm a, it's done what it's supposed to do. It's gotten fans like me excited for this upcoming season along with kind of having the uh, girly signing hit at the same time, much like, I mean, the Brady signing hit very similar at the Buccaneers time. So it's, it's almost like the marketing teams for both of these uh, teams are like working in unison almost. Cause it's like big free agent signing new uniforms kind of mix it together, especially with that kind of helps with, I mean, this coronavirus is going on, so there's no sports to go on. So you got to have something to get sports fans in the city of Atlanta excited for what's to come in in the future yeah and, and to that point that you made um you know it's it's like they it's almost like they're this is something to get fans excited like you said i mean i don't think that most fans were very thrilled to hear that dan quinn was returning and you know not a whole lot to be excited about when it came to you know the cap space was really low coming into free agency and you know, they signed Todd Gurley, who's, you know, came from Georgia, you from Tarboro, North Carolina, but played for Georgia. And, you know, giving Falcons fans that are also Georgia fans, finally a player that came from UGA. 
and you know the jerseys give them give fans something excited something to look forward to something to get excited about and you know i think that it was really a concern um not the attendance was a concern last year because you know there was a game last year you know i want to say it was when the rams came to play and it was just it was like dead silent because you know the rams don't have a fan base and the falcons weren't showing up and i think it was right before the bye week and even the broadcasters were like wow i've never really broadcasted a game on a sunday where the stadium is this silent and the signing of todd Gurley and you know these jerseys will will give fans something some sort of excitement in the off season and something that they can bring you know they needed something they needed something to bring the fan base back in and i really like what you said about you know the 28 to 3 comment that you made like we're moving on from that and this will hopefully lead fans in that same direction like we need to move on from this too like because i mean ever since that 28 to 3 game it's like the whole city just thinks about that and it is it has left an effect on all of the sports you know what i mean it left an effect on the braves you know the hawks really haven't had to experience that yet because they're in the rebuilding stage but you know, it, it's something that can help the city move on. Yeah, it's like the 28 to 3 was like the cherry on top to the Sunday that started with the Braves only winning one World Series in the 90s. Like, it's just it went from it being like a Braves thing of choking to like a city of Atlanta thing. And now that's what this whole city is sports wise is unanimous is unanimous with. But um, synonymous with, wow, words are hard. But uh, I think, I mean, yeah, like there's, it's a, it's a fresh start. Like I said, I like the new signings that have come in. This is obviously um, a last hurrah kind, I guess, last chance for this current um, coaching staff and front office. I've it's almost seems like this, these uniforms are like a year early because if it goes how some of the, uh, with the cynicism of this fan base, how I'll, I'd say most of us think it's going to go this upcoming season that like might as well just waited another year, but attendance was down partially. I think it's when you go one in, when you lose, um, like, the first game and then win one and then lose the next six. That doesn't really help because you're eliminated from the playoffs really early. And Atlanta fans have always been big on, we show up, we'll root harder. We'll root harder for you than anyone else, but you have to win for us to do that. And, um, that just made it look even worse. There's the splurge in the second half, which is nice. It was a very poetic ending for Tampa and Jameis to, end on a pick six which chase and i laughed about that afterwards but um yeah i think speaking it's, of J- speaking of james did you did you see what he'd said about being replaced by 
Tom Brady. For you to get replaced by Tom Brady in a city that you love so much, I guess that's kudos to me. What's your thought on that? Um, I mean, I mean, we're talking about a guy that stole crab legs in college. Like, he's not the he's not the brightest light in the room, but it just like he 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 makes himself a meme. He got LASIK in the offseason the like that. Like that's like that's the issue for yeah. him to throw as many interceptions as he did. Like, yeah. but yeah, I just you we don't even have to be contenders this year in Atlanta. I just want to see some kind of I want to see some positivity come out of it because this from going from the Super Bowl loss to I mean they won they made the playoffs and had a great run the next year gave the future played the super bowl future super bowl champs closer than anyone else did including the patriots in the soup did in the super bowl but ever since that it's just like been a downward slope and you hope that it's like a return to the norm with atlanta of like being successful and heck with the with brady coming in and um, the Saints really still keeping the same core that's had them win the division the last couple of years. I just I'll take like a nine and seven, a ten and six, a wild card spot just to show that some semblance of structure going on in this team. So according to Jeff Passan of ESPN, the MLB and the union are focusing on a plan that could allow the season to start as early as mid-May for the MLB baseball season. And all games will be played in Arizona, looking like Chase Field is going to be that one place. And just to read off some of this stuff that they have, um, there's going to be seven inning games, double headers each game. Um, all There will be no mound visits, no... No umpires. And all the players will have like a certain spot of the stadium where it's going to be to um, to represent the um, social distancing. So, Taylor, as much as I as much as I like the idea, as much as I'm desperate to have some sort of sport back, especially baseball. If this is what it's going to take to get baseball back, to me, it's just not worth it. Yeah, I mean, there's just it's one thing to take away fans, which I understand that with the precautions necessary to uh, ensure the public safety. But when you go into you when you have to take away basic elements of baseball, like it going from a nine inning game to a seven inning game having it be um, double headers for, uh, I don't know how long it's going to be, but considering this season would start a whole month and a half behind, it's going to be a considerable amount of time. Um, players not being able to sit in the dugout, that's like a comfort zone thing for players. No mound visits, that's going to definitely make the product of the pitching really decrease because you don't get the like some like Chase, you pitched in high school. You know that like sometimes you just need a mound visit just to catch your breath 
more than even there's one just to change pitchers or talk strategy. And that's just going to with how routine oriented players are, this is going to sacrifice the product on the field so much more. And like, I get that they can take the MLB can take advantage of the fact that they would be the first sport to come back out. They'd be the sport that honestly, they're probably going to get more national broadcasts because of it being the only sport. So that's going to somewhat make up for the, uh, estimated like $10 billion in gate revenue that they're going to lose. But, um, I mean, I'll, I'm somewhat okay with electronic umpires. I'm a bit, that's one of the few things I'm a bit old school and I would like the actual umpire there. Um, no mound visits is a automatic no. And then the seven innings is an automatic no. They're trying to add other stuff in to kind of make up for like the on-field microphones um that's for entertainment purposes though that's not that's not that's yeah. for fan entertainment uh that also can maybe uh maybe with an empty stadium and the on-field mics will be able to hear those uh trash can bangs as clear as day now but um i just like i said there's you're sacrificing the product too much just to get the sport back out there <clears throat> rob manfred just needs to just stop having any contact with the media just stop stop spilling stuff out because the electronic strike to me umpires are like incredibly frustrating but they're needed in the game of baseball you know if they mess up a call that's part of the game um no mound visits from the catcher or the pitcher you know or pitching coach that that is another problem to me is what you know, I understand practicing social distancing, but you know, there's there situation. It's not just when a pitcher is struggling; it's a lack of communication, like when a pitcher throws a fastball and the catcher was expecting a curveball, or or you know, when they're working too fast. I mean, it, it's there's more to it than just when a guy is struggling. You know, and seven innings. With double headers, I don't know. You know, it, wh- what happens when the season goes back to the way it was? Like, are you are you gonna? I mean, eventually that's gonna just wear guys out. And I can. The relievers are not gonna be happy about that because that's no. definitely gonna hurt them come uh, contract talks when they didn't get nearly as many appearances in as they could have because you got two less innings that you can pitch in. And I mean, there's you can go like there's the issues with the like electronic umpires like you said it's heck there's times where i besides the elements of like a young pitcher and i guess an established hitter getting a smaller strike zone there's even the stuff of like a and a person an umpire that's an actual person is not going to reward a pitcher for missing a spot when he threw a strike when the catcher sets up in that spot like you've got to hit that spot to get the the strike call and then plus it's electronic the whole the entire idea of pitch framing which is like a core aspect of being a good catcher just completely goes out the window as well so yeah to me there this it's there's no reason to play these games other than for entertainment purposes other than 
being the first sport to come back out, um, being the only sport that's playing, and you know, having baseball return as the na- or baseball or as America's pastime. That to me, along with television revenue. Yeah. Like there, there's no reason to play these games, and you know, it's it's not it's not even like I don't know, like you said, like the Braves arms to the bullpen with Will Smith, you know, getting Chris Martin back, getting Melanson back. Um, there was one more. Got Shane Green. Melanson, Chris Martin, yeah, but yeah, and, and just getting all those guys, and you know, it's those guys are going to be affected the most, and you know, it, it's to me, it it just takes away from the game, and players sitting in empty stands, that's just weird to me. Like, it's. You're practicing social distancing, but at the same time, the ball is going to come straight from the pitcher's hand to either the catcher's glove or to the bat. And then it's going to go to a position player who's going to hold the same ball that the pitcher held without washing his hand. So it's really practicing anything, any sort of social distancing, any sort of... um, any sort of like sanitation. Who he had his, who that pitcher's rubbed it, rubbed the ball in well to get a good grip with his sweaty hands because he's pitched, he's thrown 85 pitches in Arizona in the middle of the summer and throws it to a catcher who's in full gear, so he's sweating. Like, it's just, this is getting major, like, Brian France NASCAR era vibes for me of they're taking to elaborate on that a little more. It's they're trying. They're so desperate to try to get the sport to return back to America's pastime to the main sport in America that they're losing. They're losing perspective on what's makes this game so great and what makes baseball amazing that they're, overly corporatizing it they're throwing the game out there with a mediocre product that's gonna take place when they need to just do what the other sports are doing and take their time wait for the health officials to give the uh leagues the okay to put the full product out there again with the fans there with the games being nine innings with mound visits allowed with actual umpires like that's you you have to we have to be patient in this scenario to in order for the game to still the game of baseball to still remain whole i mean i want baseball back as much as anybody i mean i freaking nearly cry myself to sleep watching acuna and freddie hit bombs from last year because i'm that desperate for baseball at this point yeah, you know, I want I want sport I want all sports back just as much as the next person, but I don't want it. I don't want I want it back like the way it was. I want to be able to go to the games. I want to be able to see the best product that I possibly can. I want I want all fans in the stands. I want players to be able to sit next to each other on the bench. 
and I I don't want to see I don't want to see Mike Soroka sitting on one side of the stands while Tyler Flowers or Travis Darno is on the other end and they can't even talk to each other. You know, I, I want to I want Brian Snicker to be able to to talk to guys on the team without I mean shouting or I guess using a walkie-talkie or calling them. Like, do you need the you need the tomahawk chop in Atlanta? Yes. Like, need the tomahawk chop in Atlanta. You need the seventh inning stretch through the whole league. There's, I'm sure there's other like local aspects of the game that I just don't know because I'm an Atlanta fan, so I know the tomahawk chop. That's like a hometown thing. But there's. Like, I think you and I are in the same boat here, Chase. There's just too many. You're sacrificing core aspects of the game too much in order to just throw a halfway done product out there for the public to see. Yes. And that is the show, everybody. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter, HopelessSportsMantic. You can also email us at hopeless.sportsmantic at gmail.com. And just a reminder, you can listen to us on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, among others. That's going to do it today. For Taylor, I'm Chase. This has been another episode of the Hopeless Sports Mantic Podcast. See you.